Welcome to the Cheat Code Corner, where we hit you with the cheat codes to help you advance in the areas that you care about. I'm your host, DC, and today we have an incredibly special guest today. We have uh, Rahul Bansali, who is a venture engineer, which I didn't even know existed. <laughs> What's up, man? Rahul? How are you feeling, man? I'm good. Good. Thank you for having me, man. Man, I'm no, I'm I, I'm stoked, man, because you know I've known you for a little bit of time now, but and and your your roles have have uh, have evolved over time, and now you're yeah. in, in this one, and I'll never forget like when I asked, I was like, oh, well, what, you know, kind of what have things have been been doing? What are you doing? And are you a venture capitalist or you venture <laughs> engineer? You know what? Because right, because you invest in companies, and so I was curious when right. you said venture engineer, I was just like, okay. What is that? <laughs> right. what what is that? Because it sounds familiar, but it right. doesn't at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's wild because you know it's a term that we came up with not too long ago. Mm. Um, and when I say we, I mean you know myself and my partners in the fund, right? But um, my main partner actually came up with it. He's built six companies and he's sold a bunch, and he's you know this phenomenal medical tools guy. You know, we have a joke that he's good at everything he does. So don't let him play basketball because he'll just kill you. So, I mean, you know, it, it's like he's just amazing at everything. Right. And so he had this. He went through this whole journey mm. of building a number of companies. Mm. And in that journey of building a number of companies, found out through kind of this hard knock method that this kind of hard, these multiple challenges. Right. That. um that the issue with building companies is, um, you know, right now it's the best time to build a company in the history of probably the world, right? There's a ridiculous amount of money out there that understands that, um, that understands the counterintuitive process of building a company and understands it so much that they're willing to invest in it and mm. put hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars into building those companies. Mm. That is an un unbelievable place to be as an entrepreneur who wants to build things that are going to have national global scale. Mm -hmm. You can do that. You, you know, you can do that. The issue is, is that the process of venture capital doesn't work for every industry. It doesn't work for every space. Mm, okay. Um, and it doesn't, you know, and it, and it's a constantly evolving process. And what I've been seeing for the last few years and I'm hearing this from investors who invest into venture capital funds. I'm hearing this from entrepreneurs who want to build companies. I'm hearing this from entrepreneurs who built a number of companies that there is a disconnect between the way companies are funded and the way companies are built. And that disconnect didn't necessarily exist 10 years ago, but now that disconnect is becoming more and more obvious. And like good entrepreneurs, the, uh, the folks that build the funding companies, like venture capitalists, are now responding. And they're building different methods of investing. And one of those methods is you know, Venture Studio. So I think it's for him. It's a really awesome company. Mm. And they were, they're built out of, I can't the name of the group, um, out of the Bay. And they've, it's, a, it's a venture studio, and they've output a, really, a whole bunch of awesome companies. And they've got teams within their venture studio that just jump on different projects and they apply their product development team or they apply their marketing team. That's just a whole bunch of rock stars mm. um, to build on a project basis um, to, to dive into one of their portfolio companies, you know, one at a time and just, you know, help them rocket fuel that one component or one, that one portion of their business. 
And uh, they have a lot of efficiencies that come along with that. And that's venture studios. What I've heard about also is that there are early exit funds. Mm -hmm. An early exit fund, the funds that basically invest in the companies all with the intention of exiting really early. And investors love those because, um, you know, it aligns one of the big things that investors are always looking for, which is, you know, we'd rather not wait five to eight years to see an exit. We want to see something within two to five years or one to three years. And for investors, it means money in their hands sooner. For entrepreneurs, it oftentimes means less dilution, so more money in their hands sooner. Oftentimes, it can mean lower risk you know, against failure of a company. So, well, quick question. So is that, so what was the bit then the biggest differences then? So before venture capitalists, what they just kind of like, the way that they invested in companies and the timeline for that was a lot longer. And so now with these, like this different approach, it's a lot quicker and you're just trying to get a company from like zero to that, to this being like yeah. purchased. Okay. So that's just a different, a fundamental different of approach in terms of yeah. now you, there's different focus areas for these venture capitalists or venture engineers. Is that the difference? Yeah. So, well, so venture capital, venture capital, and, and this is, there's data out there about this, right? I'm not, I think venture capital is awesome. I have nothing bad to say about it. I think it fits in certain spaces, but the data says that, you know, 80, 90% of the companies that they invest in are going to fail. They're not going to produce They're not going to produce nitrogen. Okay. okay. The data also shows that it's around 1%, slightly more, that produce 60% of the returns that that venture capital fund is going to produce. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so, you know, you flip that. You know, let, let's flip that the other way around from the entrepreneur's perspective. There's an 80, 90% chance that your company is going to fail. <laughs> yeah. In, 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 you know, and, and if we follow certain, you know, if, and, the, and the reality is, though, not every company deserves to fail. Right? Mm-hmm. Not every company deserves to fail. A lot of companies... You know, uh, and the way a lot of venture capital works is that they need to invest in companies that are going to pay back massive funds, right? A four or five hundred million dollar fund. I need to have companies that are going to produce billion dollar exits, multi billion dollar exits, so that me as a venture capital fund, I can have one or two or a few of those. Yeah, pay back my fund and give me a three x return over eight to ten years, right? That's the way that that's the way that the business works. But not every company deserves to fail, right? You can have companies that sell for $20, $30, 40000000 million. And, um, and those are great companies. And yeah. the world deserves to see those. right? And so venture engineering is take a piece of everything that I just said. And that's what venture engineering is. We're early exit. So we get into companies with the intention of exiting really soon. And that's good for the entrepreneur. It's good for the investor. It's good for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, exiting, we're, exiting to, we're exiting at an early point. And there's more reasons for that, right? Um, we do a thing that a lot of other folks don't do is we involve acquirers very early. We have converse, really honest conversations with acquirers and we say, you know what, there's a great company, it's a great technology, what do you think? Would you buy this if we can get it to X point? Awesome, that's great. We also take a look at only game-changing awesome technology. So we'll go to universities, we'll go to grandfather institutions and we'll pick up technologies that are really, really phenomenal technologies that are just gathering dust or maybe haven't found the right investor yet. Yeah. And we'll build a team around that with people wow. that have a lot of gravitas in the space that that technology represents. That's another thing that we re- that we reckon. Oh, go ahead, sir. Well, no, I was just going to say, so what it sounds like to me then is it's like, Historically, with the venture capitalists and things, it was more like uh, they went after the whales, right? Those are the whales, right? That eat, right? And they just kind of hoped that one whale was going to subsidize all of the investments where you guys are like, hey, look, 
you know, there's all these, I don't want to call it low hanging fruit, but there's these, all these opportunities where with the right expertise, with the right team, with the right insight, with the right resources, we can get some wins here. And so you we guys are on, on volume. So with this, has this, this change, this whole venture engineer approach that you're, you're kind of talking about as, as this, this has been going on, what, like the last 10 years, mostly is this, or has this been going on for a lot longer? Um, and how many companies would you say, I mean, you personally, or with the, the fund that you work with, I mean, how, how, how many companies can you like manage at a time? Those are awesome questions. So, so, so one, it's only been around for six or seven years. I mean, Gary, my partner is kind of the, he's kind of the, you know, he created the idea, he created the approach and he's kind of the quintessential venture engineer. And so, um, you know, my experience and my path has taught me a number of the same lessons mm. through my own direct experience of building my own companies prior to becoming a venture engineer. And the same, and the same goes for Adam, my, my third partner. And, you know, together we've kind of come together under this idea that we can take venture engineering to the next level. Um, so yeah, it's only been around for a few years, yeah. right? And, and we're, you know, our goal is to create an entire category of investing, right? We want the rest of the world to benefit from this approach because it's working for us, right? I mean, we've got a number of companies in our portfolio and we're seeing the success, you know, we're seeing success stories, you know, uh, kind of kind of laid out there and it's awesome, right? Yeah. So, you know, um, but, you know, that said, you know, it's a, it's a much more concentrated portfolio, right? So you'll see a, a fund with $50 million might have, you know, 30 companies in their portfolio, 40 companies maybe in their portfolio can have that many. Um, you know, some situations you, you might see a little bit more, you might see a little bit less, you know, for, for someone like us, we're going to be a lot more concentrated. We may only do some, or we may only do 20 on a $50 million portfolio. Right, 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 right. We, you guys are so laser focused then basically laser focused. And giving your, so then it, yeah. it sounds like then too, and you talked a little bit about, I was going to ask, um, because look, I mean, again, I think venture, the, the idea of, of being a venture engineer, I mean, sounds super interesting because I love the, the focus to it. I love the fact that, you know what I mean? It's early, early exit. You get in, do what you can and, and you get out. Um, but I was curious to know how you got into that because you did mention that oh, you started a few companies, right? Um, yeah. And you've been on the boards of a few companies. So, I mean, mm -hmm. if someone's thinking about how, well, let me just take a step back, actually. How did you kind of get started in this? So, you know, uh, I mean, you know this, right? But I was... I, I got to go back a little bit further, right? But I, I was born in the suburbs of Chicago and I moved to India when I was 13. And my dad built a bunch of businesses, right? Mm -hmm. And kind of just being around that, I think I was destined to not be satisfied with the nine to five. Um, just, you know, it's just a way of, you know, I guess I grew up seeing that, right? I grew up seeing him build stuff. Yep. And so um, that was always kind of running the back of my mind. The, um, I went, you know, after, after Penn State, um, I went to uh, work at an investment bank and I did some pretty awesome work there. Right. And, and, and every, you know, I realized that I rest on the lessons that I learned in those four years in so many ways. So, so often I rest on those lessons. Right. And, and it's brought me enough baseline skill that I can produce value for a lot of comp that I've been able to produce value for people. So a lot of hard skills, right? Like I learned how to build a spreadsheet. Right. And I, I learned how to build a model. I learned how to like solve complex financial, you know, concerns relating to portfolio operations, you know, yeah. hedge fund portfolio operations. 
um, you know, uh, just just sitting there, right, and and kind of running through those, running through the operational tasks necessary. There was, you know, I was a risk analyst on hedge fund products, right. So we, um, there were aspects of risk management that I was doing there, and and you know, there was just a ton of hard skills that came out of it. But still, while I was doing that, I built like two nonprofits on the side, and I was doing a whole bunch of other stuff because I knew I was not going to be, I was not truly satisfied with that nine to five. I wanted to keep doing things. So I helped raise money for the Obama campaign. I helped, you know, the one campaign, I, you know, my buddies and I built a a nonprofit raising money for other nonprofits. Like we were just, you know, doing stuff because, and, and the wild thing was, I wasn't the only person in the room that felt that kind of discomfort. It was just that pain was so strong for me that I found, I found the only way I could alleviate that pain of sitting in a nine to five was just doing something about it. Right. And like, and like building stuff and doing stuff. Um, so I love know, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't some sort of inspirational thing. It was just, I was trying to mitigate the fact that I was hurting, you know? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, you were, so there's two things that really, that, that uh, I want to dive into that I think is kind of interesting because I've been hearing to some degree, some some consistent themes among some of my friends who are entrepreneurs and things like that that have started, which is that there is this, it is an approach to life. It is a, a, a mindset, this entrepreneurial stuff where you're like, hey, look, yeah, nine to five can be cool, but I need to do more. I want to build something. I want to like solve a problem. I mean, so is that, do you think that that comes, of course that can be learned. We know that already, right? Through school right, right. and things like that. But do you think that those seeds need to be planted early? Um, in order for people to be kind of like super successful and like kind of have that, or do you think, you know, I'm just kind of curious to kind of get your take on that. Cause you said you had, you had that exposure early. Um, dude, you're hitting it like right on the head again. So here's, I had a, um, I was, I was at a friend's wedding uh, a few years ago in, in, uh, in Udepur and I, and I was hanging out with, um, a very, very successful entrepreneur in an airport. This is a family friend of ours and just, you know, walking around with them. And, uh, and I was hanging out with them, with my friend's uncle mm-hmm. and, um, and this, somehow the conversation came up about, you know, can, do you have to be born with it to be a great entrepreneur? Yeah. And the very, very successful entrepreneur, he is next, next level. And he said, um, you gotta be born with it. You gotta have that fire. You got to, you know, you got, it's got to be, you got to be built with the tiger instinct to become an entrepreneur. And I'm like, okay, that's a familiar story. And that sounds, that sounds really familiar. And that's like, okay, I, I, I feel you that that probably is it. And in the back of my head, I'm checking, that must be me, right? That, that must, <laughs> am I, is that me? Cause I really, I'm really hoping and praying that's me. Right. And then I'm talking to, you know, but then my friend's uncle kind of interjects and he's like, well, you know, I respectfully disagree. I think that uh, becoming a phenomenal entrepreneur has to do with how well you manage fear and how well you manage fear, not in the way that you show others, but how well you manage fear on your internal processes, on your subconscious level. How do you, how do you manage that fear? Because if you can manage that fear and you can eliminate those fears, I think, I think everybody feels the pain that I was just talking about. Yeah. Right. Everybody feels that pain and nobody wants to sit in a job that they don't like. Uh, some people love their job and that's great. Don't leave yeah. that. Right. Don't leave yeah. that. But, but there's some crazy stat, like 85% of Americans hate their job. Hate, the, hate their job. Not even dislike. Hate their job. Right. Like, right. like, right. like hate four letter word hate. 
Yeah. 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 You know, man, it's, I really like, it's kind of interesting. And, you know, there's probably people that are on both sides to it. They probably say you probably, there are some people that kind of lean towards things and some people naturally have a higher risk tolerance than others. So I I do think that there is something around that, but I think you can, a lot of that stuff you can be learned. I was not a reader, bro, growing up, like my bad eyes. And like, so like, I, you know, I I pushed through Penn state kind of with the reading, you know what I mean? But I read the least amount possible. You know what I mean? I read enough, (laughs) I read enough to get good grades that I wasn't reading anything extra. And then after I got my MBA as well, you know, like you're in the real world and I just had this urge to read more after doing some serious reading. And so I became, now I read a book, you know, a book a month and all all these articles and stuff. But so I, I think you can learn and grow into these things, but it can be tough, but you have to have something that, that, that you hate. I mean, you know, like I could just speak for myself. Like, you know, when I think about, I mean, Entrepreneur stuff sounds kind of cool. I'm a little bit conservative and that not having consistent cash can be tough. Yeah. However, I do believe like, let's say from, and since I'm lucky enough to have enough investments that you can kind of, it'll pay the rent. I'll feel more comfortable j- trying more stuff when there's a certain baseline there. Oh yeah. And, and in that case, then, you know, I'm not an entrepreneur by nature, but I could probably get into trying to solve problems. If I have that baseline, that baseline totally. level of support, right? This may sound, this is probably going to be a, it's a dumb question, but would you say that having that figured out, figuring out how, what, what that baseline level of support, whether it's credit cards, whether it's a spouse, whether it's mom and dad, would you say that that's a critical element to getting sorted out before really jumping in to not just venture capitalism, but just like entrepreneurship and things like that? Is that something where you say you better click that box? I think the critical element is having gone through some sort of major failure first mm. as an entrepreneur. Okay. And my guess is, and my thought is, I watched this awesome movie recently, which was like, was like Love and Bugs or something or other. I forget what it's called, but it, they, they said this great thing, like if you can survive a few mistakes, you'll develop an instinct. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, wow, you know, this is, yeah. it was a campy movie and it was a ton of fun, but like that was some golden age wisdom, but that's some like, yeah. That's really powerful wisdom. And then I, I'm thinking, you know, it, full disclosure, my first business that I started, um, my, my parents and I built a business together and we burned a ridiculous amount of money. Mm. I made a ton of money at the beginning and then I lost a ton of money and we burned a ton of money yeah. trying to build that business. And it was, it was um, looking back on it. It, you know, it was still walked away slightly positive, which was nice, but like through the process, we, we still had, you know, we still had some losses in different places and all that. And, you know, was that the iron ore business? Like were you, yeah. right? <laughs> you investing in iron ore? This is what I get. This is what I get for talking to a guy who knows everything I've done. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, um, so yeah, I was in the commodity business, right? I, commodities. I, yeah. Commodity business. Right. So I, I was traveling between the Philippines, India, Chile, and this, States building a commodity transaction. So I was doing financial and operational plans for miners and manufacturers all over the world. And it was, it was the most brutal set of lessons I've ever learned. I made a bunch of money in the beginning and then I lost a bunch of money. I still walked away slightly positive um, in some regards, you know, in terms of just revenue streams, but I still burned a bunch of money kind of on the latter end. Yeah. And um, it, you know, it was, it was three years of a very compressed learning cycle. Crazy period. I got, I got the big head from making money and I got the small head from losing money. And it was like, 
this is, um, you know, and the interest and I got the deflated ego, I should say, from losing, <laughs> right? And it's like, learning today, <laughs> right? And, and the wild thing was, though, was that I think that's the crucial thing. Mm. And so if you, you know, my thought with anyone is if you can build a business while you've got your day job and failure is not necessary, right? But, but it's almost, it is inevitable that you're going to make mistakes, yeah. right? But yeah. I think the question mark is, and this is where I talk about meditation too much, right? I'm, you know, don't, don't mind me if I do. But, but the thing is, like, a key part of meditating and successful meditation, in my mind, is um, embracing the emotional knots that arise. Mm. Because it's those emotional knots that arise that end up becoming, uh, they're a gift, right? They're a gift. You, you are now observing, that you are now feeling the pain of this emotional knot that you forgot about. Mm. And now by feeling that pain, you have an opportunity to be free of it for the rest of your life if you deal with it. And the same thing goes for mistakes, right? Here I am building my first business. Inevitably, the emotional knot that comes from having made a terrible mistake, I have a t-shirt business, I'm selling it at a, at a, at a stall, you know, in a farmer's market or, 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 a, or a summer market. And I bought too, I bought too many t-shirts and I'm $3,000 short that I don't even have, right? And, uh, okay, the pain that comes from that lesson, as long as it's not a fatal lesson, yeah. as long as it's not fatal, so you got to be smart about it, right? Don't, don't, make, don't make fatal mistakes. But try not to make the same fatal, mistakes twice. Yeah, and try not to make it twice. But like, if, you can, if, that, if that lesson can be welcomed mm. internally, not, not externally, not like, oh, I'm telling my friends, oh, I, I accept that mistake or whatever. Internally, if that can be welcomed, then what you've done is, is um, you've taken four steps forward on the entrepreneurial path rather than one step forward. Wow. The degree to which you welcome a mistake has an exponential effect in how many steps forward you've taken on the entrepreneurial journey. Mm. And every entrepreneurial journey is paved with mistakes. The mistakes are the path, right? So, so the goal is, is I, I think, I think one of the best ways to get started is, you know, um, figure out what is not going to, not going to create fatal mistakes, go out and build it. Yep. And then, yep. and then as those mistakes come with, you know, try your, your damn hardest, right. And to build something that, that can make, make sense, right. And get advice and talk to dozens of people, mm -hmm. right. Talk mm -hmm. to as many people as you can. When those mistakes inevitably come soak into them. Right. And yeah. then I think the second big lesson, and this is probably just as important as the first is um, the more people you talk to and have ancillary conversations with that you think are not going to be valuable conversations, but just you have conversations with a lot of people don't want to tell their business ideas to people. Mm -hmm. Most people don't care. Right. Most people are not going to do anything with their business. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, you know, so, you know, go out and talk to potential competitors if you can. Mm -hmm. Go out and talk to potential people who could become part of your team in the future. Yeah. Go out and talk to, you know, institutions. And if you're selling t-shirts, go out and talk to Threadless, right? Go out and talk to Nike. Mm -hmm. You know, people are going to have conversations with you, right? Go out and have conversations. And, and you know, you'll be surprised how, how often people are willing to have conversations, just be open with you. Yeah. And go out and talk to, and then at the end of that, go out and sell what you have, what you've learned to a few people before you even have it. 
and, and, and a lot of people don't do this, but if you go out and you sell what you've already come up with, and tell me if I'm talking too much, man. No, no, dude, out, uh, no. Well, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm listening to you. Right. And, and, and right. the reason why it's so, it's so crazy is because I've had, I've spoken, uh, a friend of mine started a real estate investment fund. Um, another, uh, one of my friends started a PR firm. He's, uh, um, a nonprofit and, and, a, and a, some other business. And, uh, I was asking them about their cheat codes. And there's one that all three of you guys said, which was number one is to start your business like as a side hustle or like while you still have a job or something. So you can just kind of learn it and it's not so disruptive to your life. That was number one. And then, you know, in some ways you've kind of mentioned it, but I really want to dive into this one, which is um, socializing uh, your business and talking about it. We all know the idea of like when you're starting a business and things, you know, obviously you want to like lean on the people in your, in your family, your friends, you want to lean on the people, the community, but I've never actually heard of somebody who's used it at like, directly like, like what you're saying, which is as a cheat code, as an action item, like, listen, talk to as many people as you can, whether it's people in the space, outside the space, people that may be able to help you that are not because they can yeah. give you insight. They can give you help. You can get resources, help. You know what I mean? You can get all of that and then take that information and then try and then yeah. sell it. That's, that's, that's powerful, yeah. man. That's powerful. No one says that. Let me ask you, why do you think no one, <laughs> why do you think it's often not um, common knowledge, or maybe it is in, in, in certain areas, but why do you think that's not a, a key checklist point when you're on, on the way to become an entrepreneur? Like, why don't you think people know that they should talk to a lot of people, everybody, and just kind of socialize that? Why do you think that's the case? Yeah. I, you know, I think there's, uh, this comes back to a lot of fear stuff, right? Mm. Like I'm building. So, you know, here, when I was sitting at my, at my investment bank job, right. I was, I was in this mindset. And this mindset that I was in was it had a certain set of parameters to it. And I was just comfortable in that yeah. space. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah right. Yeah. And then this idea of breaking out of it and everybody around me was comfortable in their space. Of course. And, and, and the wild thing was, is I felt deeply deep seated fear that there was no other place for me to make, to make money from or do anything that I would be able to do anything to make money from outside of this job. So you felt if I, if I lost this job or something like that, I felt like there was no other place for me. I was afraid of that unknown. Yeah. And that, that fear cakes year after year. It just cakes, <laughs> man. Yeah. And it gets heavier and heavier. heavier. And, the, and, and the wild thing is, is that the job of an entrepreneur, the times where I was broke in the last three years has happened to me, right? On two or three occasions, I realized. I'm losing a few contracts and I'm not going to have any money coming in to in a month. And I got a baby and you know, we got whatever, we got all this stuff. And so, um, I realized I am now facing the, the inner juice of the universe, man. This is like, I am now on the highway. I am on the universal <laughs> highway. Yeah. And, and the only thing between me and, and utter failure and me and utter and total and actually a success is, is how, real I am in this moment, how honest and real I am, how centered I am, how lacking imagination and just pretending I am. I have, to lack, I have to not have that pretending and I have to be fully in this moment, fully doing this. Yeah. And when I was doing that, I realized there's only one thing that I can do, which is sprint like hell. Just sprint, sprint, sprint. Go out and talk to people, talk to people, talk to people, talk to people. And I did that. I had a hundred conversations. I had a hundred lunches. And I put that stuff on my credit card, right? But it was fine wow. because that is what led to 
a number of future contracts, right? It led to contracts. It led to a business built, you know, you know, all these things, right? Amazing. It's and, great, and, man. You know, That's dope. That's kind of an But it's wild, dude, because it's like, you know, it, and, and the wild thing is, is like, I realized sitting in my company that that taking of fear mm-hmm. was removing me from that, uh, the, the juice of the universe, the super highway of the universe, right? It, I w- it was removing me from that experience. Ah, uh, yeah. It's, 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 it's the right. comfort there takes you like it, that cover, right? Right. That, cover. that cover. Yeah. So then you right. don't, yeah, yeah. So it's not, it's not that kick in the teeth that, you know what I mean? Like, cause you know, when you're, you're faced with challenges and things, when you, when you really bark down, you actually see what you're made of and that yeah. kick in the teeth is what can help you to grow. Right. That can help you to grow. And like totally. you learned a cheat code from that. Um, last totally. year, you know, with the, with the COVID and everything, it's so crazy last year. Uh, and I think I had mentioned this to you, you know, a lot of my clients were, were in healthcare. And mm-hmm. so a lot of the clients that I had would target healthcare companies and you're not going to target a hospital in the middle of COVID. Yeah, totally. So, so my, my, my book of my portfolio of business started to crumble crazy. And, you know, half of my, half of my, um, compensation is commission, but so it right. makes up a pretty big, and I'll right. never forget. Uh, I was just looking, I was looking at, and I'd seen this happen, obviously in 2008, 2010, like, you know, we had already seen this type of stuff happen. Like, and I'll just never forget. I said, well, I'm going to crank it up. Going to have to do six, six days a week. And I'm going to do that until something happens, whether I break, yeah, right. Right? I'm going to do that until I break right. or these clients, like something happens yeah. <laughs> on the client yeah. side. It's one of the two, but I know it's, yeah. it was going to be either or. And I, and I told myself, and I said, you know what, I'm going to be good with either option because I would have known that if, if it failed and then, then I get fired and I don't, you know what I mean? And then I'll just dip into savings, but I knew I was going to crank it up until, and right. that cranking, right? That cranking, which was a good six months of six days a week cranking, set the stage for all the contracts I have right now. You know what I mean? And I'm going to be soon, I'm going to be almost contracted for the year very soon. And like, I'm having one of the best years I've ever had, but in the midst of it, when you're on that highway, right? It's brutal. It's It's brutal. It's tough, man. I was, couldn't sleep, couldn't sleep, panic attacks, all that, man. I was hurting. I was, I was like, man, this is, this thing's going to kill me. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? But, right. but, but it, you become, if you can make it out of it, it, right. it is, it is so valuable. You become a better person. You, you truly I grow out of so that. Real. It is. Yeah, it is. It is real. It is real. So getting that down as much as you can. Great thing. If it's possible. Right. Yeah. But if that's strategically not, knowing though. Yeah. I think, listen, you, you got to also understand Rahul, like that this is where that entrepreneurial mindset comes into play. Where like, mm. it's like, Hey, look, you need to figure out stuff so that you can free up more time to work on this big stuff. Right. Right. That is, that's, exactly. that's different because no one ever, you know, you, you're oftentimes just stuck in the, in the short term, got to get this cash, this and that. It's hard to kind of free up and understand, like, and understand your time. I mean, dude, like, I'll just think about it like this. I mean, I've been grinding with my, my day job and like I'd done some volunteer work on the side and things like that, but it had occupied so much time because I was trying to pay off school debt, you know, grad school, right. undergrad. So yeah. when that's happening, you know, the world is cloudy. Yeah. And I knew that I wanted to pay that stuff off. I mean, it took over 10 years is because, you know, I knew just that once I came off, a lot of things would happen. And the biggest thing, which no one ever tells you, unless you do it, it frees up your mind. It takes... It, you have so yeah. much mental real estate. When that debt is gone, 
You have so much more mental real estate to start thinking about different things. That's how cheat codes actually arose is because I wasn't worrying about making this five, $600 payment on top of everything else. And so then I was able to do more. And and I think (laughs) just you talking about it, it, it's, it's kind of a knowledge tip, but I think it is a cheat code to some degree as well in the sense that it's be strategic in the way that if you can figure out ways to alleviate these short-term concerns, it will free up time for you to think, be creative, to work on things that have to work on the whales, right. to find a whale, to invest in a whale. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those are those those are the things. And I, yeah. I love cheat codes, man. I think I think I think that those are super powerful, man. Like, you know, I was just because they all that success, man. Success is like when you hear success and truth, it all kind yeah. of sticks together, man. You know, it's so true, man. Well, listen, man. I I, I really appreciate the time. We have just a few more minutes. And I, I, I really want to see, I told you I was going to want you to come back on the show when <laughs> I know. because I knew, I knew it was going to be good. I knew it was going to be good. I knew it. And we were just touching the surface. Um, but for this episode, you know, us talking about you being, you know, a venture engineer and, and I really, you providing three cheat codes, which I'll put, you know, in, in a recap, but what I would love to do in these next couple of minutes is, um, there's a segment called power questions, power mm. questions, man. It's, it's five quick questions. It's, it's designed just to give some insight about who you are kind of fun. Uh, and so you ready for them? Yeah, let's go. let's go. All right. Number one, how many, uh, how many hours of sleep do you get? Oh man, not enough. Like five, <laughs> four, four to five, four to five, four to five on average. Yeah, okay. Yeah. What does your diet look like? It's awesome. My diet's great. I, I eat uh, a bowl of cereal in the morning. I eat, uh, I'm vegetarian, uh, really low sugar, almost no sugar. And, uh, uh, this is consistently, this is consistently regardless of ups and downs. Consistently. I did. I was doing intermittent fasting for a while. I, you know, yeah, real, real, real solid. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, favorite. Well, you might say, I know the answer, but favorite activity to unwind besides meditation. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, dude, I'm a, I'm a video gamer, man. You, oh, you're gamer. <laughs> hey, you get some time in. All right, cool. What's your favorite video, video game right now? Right now, Ghost of Tsushima. All right. Very cool. It's awesome. Man. Is that on, is that, is that on PlayStation 4? It's, oh. it's the samurai fantasy I've always wanted. It's amazing. Man. All right. Amazing. Very cool. Um, if you could have a superpower, what would it be? There's an obscure character, not super obscure, but his name is Prodigy. And he could uh, learn the knowledge, skills, and abilities of all those in his immediate vicinity, within mm-hmm. a mile or so. And I, dude, I just, I just loved it, you know, because I think smarts is one thing, but a lot of people got that. But just knowing how to do things, I would just go hang out with every scientist in the world, man, and I would yeah. put all that stuff together, and then, you know, very cool, man. Knowledge based, I like it. Well, know-how based. Know-how based is know-how, what you know-how. It's know-how. know-how based because it's like yeah, knowledge, yeah, yeah. but know-how is different. How to make stuff. It's how to make stuff. Now. I like that. Uh, and then the last one is uh, what are you reading or listening to? Very. I, I'm not reading, actually. I, oh, I am reading. I'm reading Saga, the graphic novel. All right. That, that counts. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I am reading okay. that. That's amazing. That's yeah. Awesome. All right. Cool, yeah. man. Well, yeah. Rahul, man, I'm, I'm, I'm really, like I said before, I was stoked. I knew this convo was going to be dope. And like, thanks. For, yo, I learned stuff about you today that I had no idea about. That's super fascinating information, man. Thank you so much for the time. I know sure. you're busy. Um, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you or if they wanted to better understand and learn more about, um, you yeah. know, venture engineering, like how would they get in touch with you or what are some resources that they could go to to kind of learn more? Um, you can email me. 
That's totally cool. Uh, so I'm at uh, Rahul at Indlak.com, I-N-D-L-A-K.com. Okay. Shoot me an email. I'd love to talk. Very cool, man. Thanks for making your time available. Well, thanks again, once again, and uh, hope to catch up with you soon, man. Cool. All right. Take care. All right, fam, hopefully you enjoyed uh, Rahul Banzali's uh, podcast, um, you know, being a venture engineer, which I didn't even know that existed. So kind of like a venture capitalist, but they they approach investing and, and building businesses slightly different, which I thought was uh, pretty interesting. I didn't know any about that. So as it relates to the three cheat codes that I identified, now look, I wanted to also just say like, you know, maybe you guys took other things from the podcast, but I just thought the three things that were actionable, um, that were slightly different or that you could actually put into place um, were these three key points. So it's just my opinion on it. I'm sure people have other routes and ways of doing things, but uh, these were the three things that came to mind that I thought were particularly important. Uh, so the first one, as he mentioned, was starting a business um, as a side hustle first, which I think a lot of people know that. Um, but what he highlighted was the importance of if you do start a business, try not to have it uh, be too disruptive to your lifestyle. Some people, you know, have the resources or they can start a business like they can just go all in. I have a few friends who started businesses, quit their jobs. So if you can do that, God bless you. I couldn't do that. So when you're starting a business, if you can to do it, as a side, that means, you know, working after your normal job, you do the outside on the normal hours or you do it on the weekends. Um, but the key thing is if you can have some consistent revenue coming in on one side, then that can feed the business. So I did that with cheat codes, so I had a full-time job while doing consulting and doing cheat codes at the same time. Um, the, the next one that I thought was, he talked about um, building businesses and what have you and, and how he's done it. But um, you talked about the importance of socializing your business. So what that means in particular is go out and having conversations, um, having conversations with potential competitors, uh, friends, family, um, coworkers, or people that you've worked with. Just really getting some feedback on, on their thoughts on the business, areas of opportunity, um, but having lots of conversations around that um, and, and having those conversations with purpose. And this leads to the third cheat code, which you mentioned, which is, hey, look, after having those conversations, um, use that information you've learned from them to improve the product, to improve the pitch. We do that a lot with sales. I'm constantly speaking with folks and refining the pitch. Um, but in, important is a lot of the conversation that you can have, um, you know, you will be able to get the people's feedback, refine the pitch, improve the product, maybe push it you know, maybe you need more development and, and you, cause you got a recommendation or what have you. So, um, once again, hopefully those were, those were helpful, but this is a quick recap, you know, start, start your business as a side hustle if you can. So it's not too disruptive. Had tons and tons of conversations from people, uh, people about the business, talking to them about the product, even if you didn't bring it to the table yet, and then make sure that you, you, um, categorize all that information that you got from those conversations to improve the product. All right. Well, uh, that's it for, for me. Um, hopefully you guys enjoyed the episode and I uh, hope to talk to you soon.